And thank God for a singing church that loves to sing praise to the Lord. It should be that way. That's a good thing. Acts chapter 21. We're moving right on through the book of Acts. We still got a few chapters to go, but we're in chapter 21 tonight. I'm going to just continue on here. Acts chapter 21. It's kind of a busy week this upcoming week. Tonight, after the service, someone paid for me to go to a pastor's conference in Phoenix Monday and Tuesday. And so Johnny and I are going to go to that. We're leaving tonight because it starts at 8 in the morning. So we're going to stay at a hotel close by there. The Monday and Tuesday I have that. Come back Wednesday and then Thursday night. We've had the, um, the Sotos from Sacramento. They pastor a church up there in Sacramento. They've been at our church for a couple's things. The, um, his wife did the Lay's Ming before and things like that. And so they asked Caroline and I to speak for them on a Saturday morning. And I'm like... I wanted to say, no, life's too busy, but then I remembered how many times have they come down here and done it for us, and I'm like, if you want, if I want people to come back for us, we got to do it, so we're going to go up there, and my in-law's coming tomorrow, too, so if you feel that cold drift, it's my mother-in-law coming into town tomorrow, and so I can only say that right now, but if you've never met her, she is the sweetest, most wonderful lady in the world, and I could never say that with her in the room, so I said it right there. Just for fun, because, you know, one of, I'm, I'm a tease. I don't know if you know that about me. I like to tease, and I always, when I was younger, I remember my, my brother, I have one brother-in-law, and that one brother-in-law would give my mom a hard time, and just teasing her, and my mom couldn't take it at all, and I t- I'm, I'm like, you probably should just stop. It'd be better just not to do it at all, so I thought maybe someday I'll have a mother-in-law I can tease with. She's too nice. I can't do it. So she's too nice. She's like, you know, she's like Caroline. It's just like that. Many people can't tease Caroline and all that. I can't tease her. I have to tease all of you because I can't tease my wife. So that's the way that goes there. But they'll be in this week. And then there's one more week of school. And it's already our school spring break. That's crazy to believe that so soon. And some people are like, why do you do spring break early? We do it early on purpose. So that way, are you okay back there, Christian? You Okay. Christian is, he's glad when the kids are gone, so, and uh, his thought is, what do we pay you for to have them at school, not for them to be on vacation? From September to June, I should never see their face, Monday through Friday. I know what Christian's thinking back there. I know what your dad's thinking back there about you, Keith, and so, but um, we do our spring break a little bit earlier, so that way, if you wait till the week of spring break and you go to do anything, everybody's going to be doing things. Gives you time to do it before everyone goes and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun couple weeks coming up. And then we are just a uh, few days away from March beginning. And before March closes, we are going to be, Easter Sunday will be here. Can you believe that? Four more weeks. And so I want to encourage each of you in this room. And one of the things we, like this morning, if you came to either one of the services this morning, both services were full this morning. And I praise God for it. So was there room for a few more people? Of course. Like tonight, this isn't full, full. It was more full this morning in both services than tonight, but both services were full this morning. And so the Sunday after Easter Sunday, we're going to a third service. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. And this is what can happen. We can sit around and moan and and gripe and complain, or we can just invite people and get the service filled up with people. I got enough help. And this is what I'd like to happen. Whatever service you go to now, I'd like you to stay at your service, except for like five or ten people that would go to the third service instead of one of the services they go to. I don't want many people leaving the service they go to. I want to add, the goal of adding a service is to get more people in the church. 
So I don't want you to do a lot of switching around. But the first few weeks, if there are a few friendly faces that were here at the later service, it would be a blessing and that would be a good thing. And then on Sunday nights, we'll talk about this as we get closer to, since I'm going to be preaching three morning services, Johnny will probably be doing the Sunday night service, preaching it. I'll still be in here and things. And then I also, it'll open up the door for me on Sunday nights. When we have newer people come to our church, and they're one, Dolly's just leaving. Are you okay, Dolly? Okay. Just making sure. Um, where was I going with that? When we have newer folks come to church and things, and our doctrine and things, I might start on Sunday nights when, during the service, a new, a new, a, you know, a new members class, a new f- class, just something so you get to know the heartbeat of what our church does. And so we can meet in my office while that's going on in here. And then you might hear Johnny a few times be like, he's really good and not want to go back. And then you might be saying, why don't you let him preach the three morning services and the other ones? And then you'll just get rid of me and let Johnny take over the whole thing. And so he's a few years younger. And so, but he's... The only problem with he's uh, he's already long and he's he's young, so he's longer than me at his age than what I am now. So that will be fun, but we'll make it all work and it'll be good. And so that's coming up. But the best thing to invite people to church. And over the next month, we have in my closet up here, I have three thousand door hangers and three thousand tracks that have two service times on them. So coming up, if we go to three, they're not going to be any good. So it'd be awesome over the next month if you're doing your workout, your walk, just take a bunch of them, throw them in the air. No, don't throw them in the air. Stick them on doors, do different things with them. Gary's got them right there. He cleaned me out of maps again today. And so, and I got to get more in there because I know Edna needs more maps too. They're fighting. I, I love it. You can fight over all the maps you want. That's awesome. So, but over the next month, we get our exercise program in, just putting tracks on doors, talking to people, all that good stuff. But invite people to come to church. It'll be a good thing. Tonight we're in Acts chapter number 21. Look down with me at verse number 17. Read a few verses here tonight. Get a few thoughts from here and we'll be on our way. We look at um, verse number 17 says, and when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren, glad, or the brethren received us gladly. Hey, when you go, when you show up somewhere, do the people receive you gladly? I thought about that. Right there, they, I'm glad they received him gladly, right? But when you come into the room, are people like, oh boy, here they are. Or, oh, it's wonderful to see you. And so, and Paul, Paul's one of those, he's pretty strong, wasn't he? He's a strong character, he really was. And, but they were they glad they received him. And what a blessing that is. So we look at verse number 18. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. So now he's in the church in Jerusalem. It's been about 15 years since he's been back in Jerusalem. It's been a while. It's a long time. I've been pastoring about 13. It's two years longer than what I've been pastoring. And Paul's going back. This is after his third missionary journey. And it says, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. For they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to the or that saying they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after their customs. What is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee, We have four men 
which have a vow on them. And I skipped, I went down to verse 23, we're only going to verse 22. Some interesting things come out as Paul goes to Jerusalem here. In all reality, Paul's getting ready to be arrested and to be bound. And the rest of the book talks about his journey for the end of his life. But as we look here tonight and we look at this passage, we see Paul was received and we just see some thoughts here tonight that I want to give you. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into our notes tonight. Father, we thank you for this evening and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and all that you do. And Lord, help us, I pray. Guide us and we need you, Lord. And we thank you for your blessings and all that you do. And Lord, help us and guide us. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see Paul arrives here at Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey. As I mentioned, it's been a long journey, a long road traveled. As we look here, the first thing that we see, number one in our outline tonight, is the reception of the brethren. We see that as Paul returns to Jerusalem here, it says, when they were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And that's how it should be. Aren't Christians supposed to be hospitable? Christians are. It's a part of Christianity. It's something that we need. We see the reception here. They were glad to see. And this is the thing. Was it a, in all reality, Paul coming back, people wanted Paul dead in Jerusalem. In all reality, that's what they wanted because of what he stood for. So Paul, and remember there were people, don't go back to Jerusalem. You go back to Jerusalem, they, they're just going to take you. You're going to die in Jerusalem. You're going to die by going there. And I'm sure that those apostles and those there in the church there knew what was at stake, but when they saw Paul, they gladly received him. The first thing that we note, letter A, is the fact that they received Paul. The word received is a word that means to take with hand, to take hold of, to take up, receive, used of a place, receiving one to receive or to grant access to. In other words, Paul was welcomed among them when he, re- when he got there. And that is the true spirit we as Christians should have for one another. And that goes, you say, well, pastor, you don't understand what so-and-so was like the last time I saw them. And wasn't, hasn't God been so gracious to you and so merciful to each of us? We can forgive, we can receive our fellow brothers and sisters. It would have been easy. And we think about this, Paul has seen many saved. Paul was turning the Gentile world upside down. Not all the Jews were thrilled with that fact. It would have been easy here for the leaders maybe to resent Paul by, you know, his ministry was bigger than their ministry. Didn't we talk a little, a little bit about that this morning? And the fact that at the end of the day, we're all working for one. We're working for Jesus. And it doesn't matter. And when we start comparing ourselves or my ministry doesn't match so-and-so's ministry or this person, I hear it all the time in ministry where personalities can't get along because people get jealous. Or there's pastors that aren't secure in what the Lord's called them to do, and they can't take strong people in their church. And I'll tell you this, I'm secure in what the Lord's called me to do. And that's, it needs to be that way. And if you disagree with me, you can disagree with me. You can still come to the church here and disagree with me. We can still get along and do what we need to do. I still love you, and we'll figure it out. You're not, no, you've got to understand, there are a lot of places, you go to a lot of churches, the pastor's threatened by the people. None of you threaten me, okay? God called me. This is where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm supposed to be. And if God wants you here, we're on a team together. And we're going to be okay, and everything will be just fine. I hope that I don't threaten you, 
and that you don't threaten, and not like real threats, you know, I've never threatened anybody in that realm, but it, we should not be, it's, we're not in a contest, and we're not, we should not intimidate each other, we're doing the work of God, we love each other, and we move forward for God, that's the way it should be, and we should be secure in what God's called us to do, there are a lot of leaders today that are not secure, and if God calls you to something, be secure in what God's called you to do, and it'll all be okay, we see they received him, and they opened up. And you think about this, Paul being there could have hurt them, could have caused harm to their assembly, but in all that they received him with open arms and received him. Not only that, we see letter B, that they gladly received him. It wasn't just, oh, we open up the door, get in here real quick, close the door. They gladly received him, it says. They received him with gladness. As I mentioned, it had been almost 15 years since the last time Paul came to Jerusalem, just after he returned from his first missionary journey. And the believers perhaps maybe didn't think they'd ever see him again. And all of a sudden, Paul is there, and we think about these things. That's how it should be in Christianity. The Bible tells us in Romans 15, 7, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Aren't you glad that Christ received us? I like that song, Christ Receive as Sinful Men. We haven't sang that one in a while. It's there in the songbook there. I'm glad he received sinful men. And if the Lord could receive us, we can receive one another. It's a good thing. And it should be that way, and we need that. The Bible tells, you know, because what happens is we could look, we could be that way, or we, it could be a different way. And we think about what the Bible tells us in 3 John, verse 7 and 8. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, take nothing of the Gentiles, for therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You could even look at 3 John, and there was a guy by the name of Diotrephes there. And he wanted the preeminence, and he, he, wanted, he forsook them. That shouldn't be that way with Christians. We should receive one another, be there for one another, and thank God for the fellowship that we have with believers. You realize we have something that this world doesn't have. And that's what's sad to me at times, that we have what brings us together in Jesus Christ, and yet in the middle of that, we just can't get along. We act like a normal family. This is not a normal family. First off, there's not a lot of normalness in this room. From the guy saying the words right now, there's not a lot of normal here. But this is a family brought together by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we should get along, we should love one another, and we should enjoy the time we have together. You know, this should be better than when you go to work. Because you don't know what those guys at work are going to say. You don't know what joke they're going to try and tell. You don't know what they're going to do, whatever the case may be. You get together with fellow believers in Jesus Christ, this is where it should be. This should be a wonderful thing. And they should never dread coming to God's house and being with God's people. Just love God's people. Love them with their shortcomings. Cummings, love them where they're at, and just love God's people. That's how God, that's how are people going to know we're followers of Jesus? By how we love one another. We need to love one another. We need to show it. We see that, we see how the brethren receive him. We see number two tonight. We see the report from Paul. And just as a missionary, we have several missionaries that we support. They'll send us letters every month, few months, some every five years. The guy sends us something. But most of the time, and I love it, the guy who sends us one missionary letter every five years, that letter will say, I am so sorry, it's been so long, I'm going to do better. And then five years later, there'll be another one. That's just the way it goes. And it's been that way. I've gotten two prayer letters in 13 years. I'm due for one before too long. 
But praise God, I'm just taking it as he's got too much work to do down there in Mexico. He's serving the Lord, and he just doesn't have time to write. Uh, that's what I'm taking it as. But Paul, he gave a report about what the Lord was doing in his life and what the Lord had used him to do. Look at verse number 18 and 19. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and the elders were present. So he goes into the church at Jerusalem there, and James the pastor there and things. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. I love it doesn't say that Paul said, this is what I've done. He said, this is what God's done through my missionary journeys. That's the way it should be. Because God is the one who gives the increase. We talked about that this morning. And we saw that today. But as we look here, we see the report from Paul. The first thing that we see is the fact that um, Paul's received by James. This James is not the brother of John because that James had died earlier in the book of Acts. This James is the half-brother of Jesus, the one who wrote the book of James. And so that and really before Jesus, before his death and before that time, his own received him not, the scriptures talk about. And I don't know when it was, but there was a change at some point that they turned to Christ, him and Jude. And so as we look here, James here, we see the fact that James, he held a special place of honor and respect and lots of things that he did. He was the pastor there. And a lot of times people would come to him for counsel on things. Acts 15, they came to James, and there was counsel that was sought out for the church, and that counsel that was formed. And at the end, after the counsel was done, James is the one who gave the final opinion on the matter. And when we think about these things, for John, you've got to understand, there was some unrest with the Jewish members in the church. Do you realize that happens in churches? There is unrest at times. And sometimes that un it's, it's a real thing. It really is. But as you look here, because later on it talks about, what does it say? It talks about, well, you know, and they informed of thee that thou, he te Paul, you're teaching something. They say you're teaching something. And you really need to explain this. James could have been like, as he came in, he could have said, you know what? I got to keep my distance from you, Paul. He didn't do that. He re James received him. And the acceptance of James would go a long way especially with the unrest that many of those members had. Not, and this was the thing. They weren't sure what God was doing through Paul at that time and the way the ministry was working. And sometimes when, in church work too, sometimes people think they know everything that goes on and every detail behind the scenes when they know absolutely nothing. It's amazing at times I'll get advice from people. And I love your advice. You can come give me your advice anytime you want. But sometimes people will be like, you need to do this and you need to do this, and you don't have a clue of anything that goes on behind the scenes with it. So be careful with your advice and the things that you throw out. It's a good thing to be careful. And I think here, these people didn't know every detail about what was going on, but we see that he's received by James, and then what we see next is letter B, that Paul gives glory to God for the victories. The Bible tells us here in that verse, it says in verse number 19, and when he had saluted them, he declared. That word declare right there talks about giving a story. He spoke about it. He was giving the details of both the second missionary journey and the third because he hadn't been back since the first one. The second missionary journey lasted about three years, and he was with Silas from like probably 49 A.D. to 52 A.D., 
And the third one, he was with Luke, and that was from 53 to 57. So there were about seven, eight years of ministry that took place. And what Paul does, he declares to them and he tells them what God has done. And that should be, that should be, you know, it's a good thing for us to talk about, even, you know, sometimes with our kids, we'll sit around the dinner table and talk about how bad life is and how bad everything's going and this or that. When's the last time you talked around the dinner table and just talked about all the good things God does and shared with them the victories that God's brought your way? I can still remember my dad, I was probably six years old, and my dad lost his job because the company went out of business. And I don't know how it all worked, but he lost his, uh, he lost his pension in it too. And he, was, he worked there for years. I don't know all the details. I was only five or six years old. I just remember it's noon, and dad comes walking in the door. And that was not a good time for dad to be walking in the door. And I remember a few months went by, no job yet nothing i remember we would, every night we'd get together we'd pray together in the evening of, as a family and i remember we were praying that my dad would get a job we were praying and then i remember i remember one of their prayers was lord we haven't been able to pay the mortgage in a couple of months we need you to help us and i remember the day that out of the blue i never even met my great uncle he showed up at the house and said i want to give you something and it was just enough to catch up on the mortgage. Isn't that amazing how that works? I don't think they called or asked him. I don't. I could be wrong. I don't know, you know, all those details. But all I know is, and I remember that night, we were sitting down and mom and dad shared, God gave us the money to get us through. They talked about in prayer the needs that we had as a family. And then they talked about how God came through. And even in the times when we were waiting for God to come through, they didn't, maybe in private, they talked you know, they talked a little bit more direct with God. I don't ever remember that in our family devotions. I remember them trusting God, waiting on God, and you would just see God deliver and God come through. Talking about when my, um, my, my uncle was in the hospital, my, my dad's brother. My dad's brother, he was a character. I'll tell you this, he was about 15 years older than my dad, and when he was 19, he got arrested for robbing an ice cream truck with a gun. So he spent several years at Chino Prison right here. So there was a Patterson in Chino before me. And so and he was at the prison for several years. I think he spent almost 10 years there because of it. So when he got out of jail, do you know what he did? He bought an ice cream truck and, and sold ice cream the rest of his life. And we loved having Uncle John come at Christmas because he would fill our freezer up with ice cream. It was awesome. And he was, he was a rough and tough guy. We loved him, but he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And I remember we would just pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And I remember he literally, ICU hospital, not uh, Irvine, Irvine something. I think it's IC, I think that's the name of it. It's, so the hospital over there, it's not far from uh, Angel Stadium and all that. It's that whole UCI, UCI, that's it. ICU, UCI, that's it. And I remember we were there, and they had some some virus going through the hospital and he didn't think he was going to make it and he called my parents from the room to come see him and he got saved that night and i remember we had prayed for a long time i think it's an awesome thing for us to teach our children about and pray with let them pray let them know what's going on in our lives and let them see god come through in our lives it's a good thing it needs to happen in church it's good for us a lot of times we'll sit here and we'll complain about how bad life is and everything that's going on 
Why don't we sit around and talk about all the good things that God's done and all the victories and how God's done this in our lives. Sometimes we'll have prayer meetings and at the prayer meetings all it is is just a sad story. Life's so bad and this is going on. It should be the other way around. This is what God's doing. This is what God, this is the answered prayers that God's done. This is how God's working in my life. And Paul gives glory to God for the victories. That's so important. And God deserves all the glory in the midst of all the victories and everything else that takes place in the middle of it. And Paul declares these things. And then we see the last thing I want us to see tonight. We're not going to go too deep into the thoughts that some of them were having. But what I want you to see is number three, how the church rejoices. Look at It says, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there, which are believers, and they are all zealous of the law. Now, as we think about this, what, was, what were they rejoicing in? They rejoiced, first of all, about souls being saved. And we should rejoice when souls get saved, shouldn't we? Now, sometimes it's sad when I hear Christians, they get together and someone talks about so-and-so getting saved. And the first question, did they really mean it? I can't believe how harsh we are when we don't know a heart ever. I don't know if you meant it when you did it. Only the Lord truly knows if you meant it. Man, rejoice over someone coming to the Lord. There's something, and that should never grow old to us. It shouldn't be, oh, someone, yeah, they had someone saved. This happened, Margie Valdez this morning. Out of nowhere, she came up to me. She's like, Pastor, you told me I'm supposed to be a soul winner. Yeah, I said that. And this Margie, and I don't know what she did or how she did it. She said she was with, a, she was with three different friends yesterday. And she's like, I got bold. And they all prayed and accept Jesus. I don't know what she said. I don't know what happened there. But I was just rejoicing in the fact that she did that. And a lot of her old friends, they're Catholic. And so, and she's told me before, I just don't know if I could ever talk to them. And then literally that's what she's doing. And yet a lot of us sit around, we're griping, complaining about this or that. And a lady who's never witnessed to anybody goes out and does that. And she's 86 years old. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I wasn't calling her an old dog. Don't tell her I said it that way. That's not what I meant by that. But you know what I mean when I say that tonight. But man, I was just rejoicing this morning because she went and told somebody. And when people get saved, there's something special about it. Man, just the past few weeks, I think about the mission. There's been some that have gotten saved, and I'm there, and I see it. You're like, oh, they're just, that's just like a jailhouse, you know, salvation. They're down now, and they need Jesus. At least they have gotten to the point where they realize they need Jesus. Some of us, it might take us to get down to that point to realize how much we need Jesus. And I don't care how down and out you are or how high and lofty you are, we all need Jesus. And when someone comes to Jesus, there's something special about it. Did their life change on the spot? Yeah, and your critical attitude is really changing lives too, isn't it? Yeah, we get carried away with that stuff. Praise God over souls being saved. We should rejoice in that. Well, I just don't know. I Don't worry about it rejoice then what did what the lord what the lord say uh, what the bible say in luke 15 7 i say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance not repentance repentance that story there is about the 90 the the 100 sheep and the one gets lost 
and the shepherd finds the one and he's rejoicing. Or the woman who lost the coin, she rejoices when she finds it. Or the prodigal that gets away and he comes back and the father rejoices in the midst of it. And you think about this, when someone comes to Christ, heaven rejoices. You, I know some of you think like the Sandoval's over here, they think they know how to party. They throw parties a lot. They're party people. I don't know what it is. They're party people. And uh, they had their neighbors over yesterday when we were over there. And I'm like, is it hard living next to party people like this? And, you know, they invite them over. That's how you take care of your neighbors. You just invite them over and it takes care of it. But as good as they are at throwing parties, I don't think it's anything like the parties they throw in heaven when someone comes to Jesus. And praise God for that. And they rejoiced over the souls that were saved. I think they rejoiced as well about the churches that were started and established. Think about as Paul went through, a, through Ephesus and Asia. That's where he went on his missionary journeys. And the apostles gave thanks to God and glorified God for the work that he used Paul to do. And the churches that were started and all that would take place. And what a blessing it was. Paul was welcomed there in Jerusalem. It made me think about someday when we all get welcomed home to be with Jesus. And he's waiting they're going to want to receive us and what a day that's going to be. And Paul's going to go through a lot more things coming up. And it's not going to be as nice as this reception was. But Paul was busy just doing what God called him to do. And one of the things I love about Paul, there's a lot of things I love about Paul, but Paul knew going to Jerusalem was not the greatest of ideas. But he just went there and did what he did every other time. He went to church. If you're going to be taken and arrested and things and you're preaching Jesus, you probably don't want to go to church. He went to the church. He told them about the things God had done and he just kept doing what he was supposed to do. If someone told you that if you continue to follow Jesus, things are not going to look so good for you, would you continue to do what you've always done? Or would you do something else? Paul continued to do what he was supposed to do. And his reception that he had, and we'll look next week and look a little deeper at these thoughts. Father.